VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Ask me! Right, you're asking me things, and today you get to ask my mom things. So it's like me concentrate. Joining me today is my mother, Ronnie Antic. Everybody, hi mom. Hi. Hi, there you are. Uh, I appreciate. I, I I was so excited. I was like, oh, you dressed up for this, and then you said, I'm going to dinner right after. Sorry. Okay. Well, I thought that was very. Cool, but okay. Fair Actually, enough. I thought, I would, uh, I thought I'd see, you'd see me on this. Uh, what are you? What are you drinking? Iced tea in a wine glass. Makes me think I'm drinking. Oh, you're a, a proponent for the before dinner cocktail. Yeah, they call it here. They call them roadies or dressers. Roadies have they one on the everywhere. way, and dressers have one right. while you're getting dressed. I'm not a proponent of that. On the That's just too much drinking. I don't like getting drinking while I'm getting ready because I feel like I start to look weird in the mirror. It's hard to do my makeup. Yeah, you probably do. (laughs) You probably do. Well, people have a lot of questions. Now, prior to doing this, you said to me, you're like, I don't want to answer questions about raising you because it's enough enough already. Okay. Also, you know, not only was it so long ago, but I think the subtext of that is there's more to you than just answering questions about me, right? Mm, Not so much. That's kidding. No, no. No. But no, there's more to Uh, me, but- who else cares that we care about? A lot of people care. A lot of people want some of that straight talk mom advice. So we're going to okay, jump right in. Are you ready? Yeah. Aubrey Hauser writes in, hi, Eliza, Ronnie, and Tian Fu. Most importantly, Tian Fu sleeping at my feet. Big fans here. Looking for advice on convincing my mother-in-law to sell her parents' house instead of trying to fix it up and potentially make more money on it. For context, she has cancer and just about to get surgery to try and get it out. And her and her husband have recently taken in two children from a niece who couldn't take care of them. Eight and 10 years old. The surgery could possibly give her another year, but me and my boyfriend and plenty of other family think her time after the recovery would be better spent with all of us than putting in work on a house that would be too much for her. Also, they're trying to do all the work themselves and they're both in their late 60s. Whenever anyone tries to bring up the subject in a conversation, she refuses to even discuss it. Okay, a couple of things are happening here. We don't know what you're saying. It's a surgery and she only has a year left. So that's one issue. Two is if you only have a year left while she's quote unquote only in her late 60s, prior to this situation, she could very well have done this 
and had the energy. But if she really has just a year left, it sounds like she's doing this to leave something more for everyone else. Oh. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Because if she sells the house now, the only thing she has to do is recuperate for a year and then die. And so I think she's thinking of it unselfishly. It gives her something to do. Something to do. That would be important at the end, because how many questions can you sit and ask her in the whole year that you'll visit her sometimes? You know, I think that's what I'm saying. You're taking away her joy, her meaning. If she wants to do that, knowing she's going to die, that's that's her. You can't take that away from her. You can't take that away from. I also think there's something interesting, you know, as we get older as kids, you know, there's your parents being these uh, omniscient beings. And then you start to realize your parents are human. And then eventually you have to take over for your parents. And so there's always that gray area, too, of like, do I know better than my parents? And, you know, we talk a lot about social issues and politics on this show. And it always bothers me. Your parents may have might have a different political view from you, but treating your parents like they didn't walk this earth for several years before you. Like, oh my God, my parents are so dumb. I, I just, I always think that that's a little can ignorant. You get me and, can uh, you get me clear? Who are these nieces and nephews that are, are they staying at the house of the woman who has cancer? Is that even part of that? I don't if they're know staying there. It, it, we got to right, Because obviously she said it was okay. Megan Kelsch. Uh, do either of you have recommendations for the best way to, for millennials to communicate with their parents about racial injustice, social change, and politics? Generation gaps are so amplified right now, and a lot of older people are resistant to change. It seems like you and Eliza have a great relationship, and wondering if you have any tips for communication around topics that bring out the emotional side of people. Sure. First of all, don't do it when you're when you, when anybody just gets up. <laughs> <laughs> don't even call me when I've just gotten up. Don't even ask me how my When you're going is. to have a conversation, just don't rip it out of left field. Sit down, talk about other things. And then when you mention these things, never get upset. Because the moment you get upset, you have too much skin in the game for no reason. Because the, the change is going to come with you, not with them. They're 60, 70. They may vote a, a different way. Not that big a deal. The, the, the greater good here is for you to, uh, for them to understand why you feel the way you do. And if in fact you have that conversation and you don't get upset about it, they may tell you why they feel the way they do. They didn't just arrive. They have a life experience that you don't have. And you might want to hear that. They're not all that irrational. I, I don't know what their opinion is and I don't know what yours is. I'm assuming a younger generation is always the more liberal one. Uh, Winston Churchill always said, "If you're, um, if you're, a, 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 if you're a, a Democrat, if you're not a Democrat when you're young, you have no heart. But if you're not a Republican mm-hmm. when you're older, you have no brain. So you have, to, you have no money. <laughs> you have to balance all of that together to to really get a, a true picture of what's going on." I also think it's really interesting, you know, every 30 years we kind of go through similar machinations, you know, and so if your parents were around during the civil rights movement, a lot of the things are echoed now 
that were started then. And, you know, every, if you are fortunate to live long enough, you start to see things repeat themselves. And I think it's also good for perspective. You know, things are so scary now, but they're always scary. They're always scary. Right, Mom? When, as I told you, Eliza, when my mother and father That's me. were dating that time and all those songs that they sang back then, when a woman got engaged and her fiance went off to war, chances are he wasn't coming back. That was very sad, scary. And then when you consider London during the bombings, my God, you didn't know if you're going to wake up the next day. There was no plumbing. There was no water. People didn't have food. You look at Japan. People were told by uh, Hirohito, eat wood. You need fiber. Who? And we're going, well, we want to go to the beach, so we're going to go out now. You're kidding, right? That's how tough it is for you. Uh, you didn't get paid this week. I get it. Everything is relative. But when you consider what they went through, that's nothing. And then you look at the Vietnam War, those that fought. This is nothing. This is like a silent enemy, what we're going through now. So, yeah, as you said, Eliza, every 30 years, something happens, something big. And it does. And uh, what we're going through now is not big yet. I think also the internet makes it feel so uh, so present. It's so in your face, so inescapable, you know. So you have social unrest, you have a disease. It, it, the worst is when you have an enemy that you can't take anything out on. It's not a war enemy, it's a disease. And you can get mad at people that don't wear masks, but being frustrated at nature and every time you wake up, there's, you know, just constant comments on everything about why you're a bad person. So it is constant. Right. It's a giant, um, but- I'm sorry. It's a giant subway no, wall, and everybody seems to think they have the right to write on it. Whereas back years ago, well, some of us are verified, so yeah. you know, everybody has check. an opinion, and it's it's kind of and now with the internet. I mean, there was that book, nineteen eighty four, where they said Big Brother is watching you. At the end of the day, mm. now we are Big Brother. Each one of us has a phone. Each one of us is taking yep. pictures of stuff that happens, and it. it so, it, it's um, it's a little scary because um, that woman that they started calling her a Karen, the one with the dog in the park, I feel bad for her. I mean, she did something stupid, but now the whole world is seeing her and they're seeing her again and again and again. And she, it's like, she'll never get a job now. Just like Monica Lewinsky <laughs> couldn't get a job for 30 years and nobody saw that. And then you look at, I don't know if you've seen this on, on, on the, the internet yet. There was a guy in Costco, a woman of my age went over and said, you know, you need to be wearing a mask. And he went ballistic. He was about 45. Yeah. He went so crazy and yelling that Costco had to escort him out. And, and wait, wait, wait for it. He works for my friend, but yeah, well, this you, guy, you he's yeah. been seen on the, on YouTube 8 million times. This guy is not going to get a job because he misbehaved one time. I mean, hold on. There's, oops, I said a bad word. There's, oops, I snapped. And then there's, oh, this is just emblematic of the way that I feel. And I mean, freaking out on someone like that, even the woman, I'm sorry, in the park, like she wanted that guy to go to jail for like bird watching. And I think that speaks to a type of person. You know, you're allowed to be afraid of someone. You're allowed to cross the street, but taking it a step further, I mean, like I'm going to call the cops and say it's a black man. Yeah, I like, don't know. That being was, that, yeah, definitely, you know. Definitely, But, but, you know, we are beyond, no one's, no one's allowed to apologize or move on. And it's interesting because I know that in your book club, and I thought this was super cool, you're reading White Fragility. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but I think there should be a book called Male White Fragility because women are always, you know, oh, we're irrational and we freak out. Have you ever seen like a middle-aged white man like Brett Kavanaugh like lose their shit? It is terrifying because when white men get upset, oh. they shoot you. Well, th- if you see this, not all def- of them. You'll definitely have to go on the internet and see Costco man freaks out because you don't want to. I don't. I, it gives me. Agita. But you don't want to be near him because yeah. he. But in only one thing in deference to him, he could have just gotten a fight with his wife, lost his job. You don't know what happened when somebody my age just went over and said, excuse me, but why aren't you wearing a mask? And then he went crazy. Yeah, because it's that thing too. It's like, what's your, where does our show social responsibility end? Like, should she have said something? Although asking him that, there's no answer he could give that would be right. So really what she was saying was, hey, asshole, put on a mask. You know, actually, I don't know what she said because I was in the supermarket a couple of days ago, Publix, which you call mm-hmm. Publix, which I think is terrible. Well, how could you not? <laughs> and I went over to a man. Publix. He was wearing a U.S. Navy hat, and he was about 50. I said to him, excuse me, I'm just curious. You look normal. <laughs> Why are you not wearing a mask? And I said it just that. And he said, well, you know, my wife and I wore masks in the beginning, but I looked at the numbers, and in reality, it's it's such a small small percentage of people that get it and that and besides and he said and he said and i said i understand that really is a small number a percentage very small number of people that actually get the disease and a painful ridiculously small number in relation to the population of people that actually die from it and uh so i agree with him on that of course i don't agree with him on the exponential portion which is tomorrow will be twice as many and be even bigger so he said that he said for one thing i don't want to wear a mask because i'm breathing in too much carbon carbon dioxide and that's bad for me and i said to him i said excuse me first of all you got doctors in an operating room wearing masks for eight hours and i got a feeling they need a lot more mental acuity than you do to buy potatoes in public (laughs) he goes well that's true i said and also are you running track and so he laughed yeah how hard are you breathing so i said no i get it though he said "I, i i still won't get on a plane so i said okay so you're calculating your odds and he said yeah that's what that's what i'm doing i said you know what He's gerrymandering his ethics. That's what he's doing. He's saying when it's a massive inconvenience for me, I won't do it. But if it's something that everyone else, I'll I'll make sure that I'm safe. I won't get on a plane, but I won't make sure people around me are safe while we're going to a communal space. So he's well, an then I said, but you know, I and I hope uh, well, when you're having a conversation with someone that you don't agree with, you have to right. stay like that. And I said, you know what? I get it. And the reason I wear a mask is fear. And it's the same reason I buy health insurance, because something big might happen to me. Not because I might there need you go. stitches for $200 or I sprain my finger. No, I ha- right. it's something big that may happen. That's why. $200, where are you getting your stitches? Well, whatever, you um, also, I've never had a surgery, a real one. I've never been, I've never broken a bone. I, you know, I get a cold once in a while, but I got Corona and I'm very right. healthy. In fact, I have extremely low blood pressure, as they told me. Low or low end of normal? Low in like, a, like oh my God. She, okay, she didn't call me an athlete, but she said, do you work out? 
And I said, yes. Oh, look and at I you. Said, Are you asking if I'm an athlete? And she said, no, I'm not. Nobody thinks you're an athlete. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Here's a fun exercise. What would you do if you had an extra hour in your day? I bet you nobody would say, um, I'd spend it thinking about things I can't change. I'd spend it having crippling anxiety. No, you'd say like, I'd go for a run or I'd spend time with my hobby or I'd pet my dog's tongue. A lot of us spend our times wishing we had more time. And the question is, what do you want to make more time for? I bet the answer for a lot of people is your friends, your family, relaxing. Well, therapy can help you clear some space mentally so you can find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. Think about therapy like housekeeping for your brain. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You go to betterhelp.com. And you fill out a brief questionnaire and you can get matched with a licensed therapist. No more driving across town. No more stressing out. BetterHelp makes it easy for you to get the therapy that you would like. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Eliza. There are a lot of people who speak Spanish in my life and they're teaching my daughter Spanish. And quite frankly, I want to keep up. Yes, I took Spanish in school, but I want my Spanish to get better. I don't want it to just be bueno. I want it to be muy bueno. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. Choose from one of 25 languages like Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. So you sound like a local, not an Android. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is convenient and can be used on desktop or as an app with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. There was definitely a time where my closet was crammed to the gills with every skort, gaucho pant, crop top I'd worn for the last 20 years. And there comes a time in every adult woman's life where you realize you want less clothing at higher quality. And a great way to do that without breaking the bank is upgrading to high quality affordable pieces from Quinn's. Now I have a wardrobe of simplistic pared down items, but I like to keep it stocked with key luxury essentials that I know I'll wear time and time again, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50. I'm a big fan of their washable stretch silk palazzo pants. I don't have time to be caring for silk like I do my children, so it's nice that I can just wash it, and it's a versatile pair of pants that I can wear out for an evening or just out with friends. The best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Eliza. Arlene underscore with a underscore Y. 
Hi, Eliza, Ronnie, and Emily. My daughter is 13. She recently confided in my sister to say that she had a crush on a girl. She said she hasn't told me because she's afraid I might tell her it's a phase. I would love to accept my daughter no matter what, and I thought she knew this, so I wonder why she still hasn't felt comfortable in telling me this. I'm a single mom, and my sister said that my daughter said her father also knows my ex, and he's a tough kind. He's a tough love kind of guy. He can be harsh and unkind, so I'm surprised she confided in him. I'm not trying to make this a competition. I just wonder, as a mom, what would you do or say if you knew your daughter was possibly gay or bicurious or bisexual or confused and didn't want to talk to you about it? We're generally very close, and she knows I'm loving and understanding of her emotions. Thanks. Love you all. Arlene with a Y. Interesting. If you did... It's, easy, it's always easier to talk to the aunt. What aunt? I thought, it was the, I thought it was the husband, the ex-husband that... that she told the aunt and the and the ex-husband. Oh, well, in that thing, I think I'd sit down and have a talk and I'd cry and say, what's wrong with you? Why didn't you tell me? No, <laughs> I, I'm feeling a little left out here. You told everybody but me. Um, yeah. You have to ask yourself, why didn't she tell you? And I think it, it's one of two things. One, she heard you make a disparaging comment about someone who's gay or your opinion of her matters more than anybody else's. If you didn't make any comments about someone who was gay and really search your heart to think about, you might have said something offhanded about Chaz Bono or something. I don't know. But if you didn't do any of those things, you have to just say, you you have to know that it's because your opinion counts the most. Oh, that's why it's true. That's what I think. think. Lexi Lena. Eliza has shared tons of wonderful advice on how to handle parents, mother-in-laws, et cetera, through points of contention. Uh, And I love her dad saying friction makes a pearl. Do you find yourself mostly aligned with her on how to handle conflict or do you find uh, you take a different approach to picking battles? Maybe another way to ask is, do you ever feel like you have to pick less battles as the mom for the sake of keeping the relationship happy or do you believe in hashing it out? With my my daughter or in general? I think they mean in general. Let's let's go in general because I always talk about how open our relationship is, and I think you pick every battle and die on every Great. hill. So what a man. you need to know where I stand on all of them, uh, on all things that don't even involve you. That don't, that don't involve me. Yeah, I'll be the person in the background. So, that little voice goes, "It's me saying this is my thing." You know, um, hey, it's me. Come yeah, uh, I think it's kind of important if you have a good relationship with your daughter or son, that that person knows where you stand. You don't have to, you don't have to um, win the battle. You just have to take your stand on it. Um, And your stand may be on one foot. In other words, you might be pushed over. What are you doing? I'm looking for the next question. You don't, don't, I'm listening, but it's what's important is that the microphone captured it. I'm looking at your next question. I'm hosting. I'm saying that as, as a parent, this advice isn't for me as a parent. I think it's important that your son or daughter know where you stand on things and to know that you're also still open to hearing things. You may be a staunch uh, Republican or liberal or something, and your kid may come with another idea. They need to know where you stand. You, they, they, to, they need to know, for example, you don't think tattoos are okay. Okay, they know where you stand. They might think of that when they go to get one. You give the reasons why you hate it. They're going to do it or not. But at least they know you hate it. That's all. 
you know, uh, you can't go there and make them take it off. <laughs> so just this long. Well, speaking. Yeah. Because, okay, but then speaking like a social context, you know, because I'm always an advocate for having a conversation or, and because of standup, I've gotten really good at putting blinders on and ignoring people, but I don't have a normal work environment and I tend to not keep people in my life that I have conflict with. So in the vein of that, of the last question, here's this question, Betsy.J.Scott says, hello to my Wednesday friends. How do you put someone or a whole situation out of your mind after you've been emotionally put down? For context, here's a super short summary of my situation. I befriended my neighbor months ago, realized she was incredibly selfish and wasn't worth my time and energy. Totally happens. So I was honest with her when she asked why I was ignoring her. I told her that the friendship was too much for me. I apologized for not being able to give her my time and wished her the best. She didn't take it well. She and her boyfriend, who live in the same apartment building as me, so we see each other often, are incredibly mean to me. What's worse is that she's close friends with my boyfriend's sister and self-proclaimed maid of honor, so I have to deal with her for at least the next few months. My question is about the minutes following her rude comments. Do I make the transition from being hurt to moving on with my day? How do I put it out of my mind? Shouldn't, should, it, uh, should I let it affect me? Also, it's a much bigger issue for so many. I know that there are bigger issues for people, racism, homophobia, et cetera. To clarify, she's my boyfriend's sister's maid of honor, so I have to deal with her until uh, because she's planning their yeah, wedding. So Love you all. Thank you to Emily for being such a badass manager. Emily's not my manager, but that's I'm so confused. So basically, the, so basically, the question is this. She made friends with a girl. We've all done this. You think someone's going to, and it's a neighbor of hers. You think it's going to be cool. And the person turns out to right. suck. And then she doesn't want to hang out with her. And the girl's like, why don't you want to hang out with me? And this girl was honest. She's like, I don't know. I just, I guess I think you suck. Now the girl is really mean to her whenever she sees her. So the question is, do you confront them? How do you put it out? Of your, like, what would you do? If you had it? Yeah. Well, first, yeah, because you thought honesty was the best policy. But what you did was you smashed yeah. her in the face with a hot pie. And <laughs> hot <laughs> That's what you did. Is it a thing? You- <laughs> I've never heard that. A hot pie? Is that just iced tea in that glass? It's just iced tea. You did just... You, you, what you did was really hurtful to her. So You're- that's what you did. And I guess if someone didn't didn't want to be friends with me and they told me why, it wouldn't help me be a better person. <laughs> It might, it no, might help me be a better an person, but um, I would be so hurt. So this girl, yeah. now she has to do your wedding? What does she have to do? It's her, her brother's sister. The girl. The point is it's in the same group of friends, and you have to see this girl knowing you can't backtrack and be like, sorry, I had a bad day. Like you told her, I think you're a dumb slut and you're annoying. You didn't really say that, but the fact is you insulted her very much, and now you – you expect her to be okay? You just told her she's a piece of shit, really. And now, oh, okay, let's just be friends anyway. You know, it's she, it, it hurt her so much. And now y'all have to be friends. Y'all have to work together. I mean, you can tell she's what? a piece of shit because rather than ignore you, she makes mean comments, which is really sophomoric. So the best you can hope for is just agree to disagree. And just try to be cordial. I think all you can do is ignore it since you started the fire. You know what? I think a little bit of time has to pass. That always has to happen. And then you're going to be together. And it will happen regardless. It's a crazy thing with time. And But what will happen is you're going to be in a social situation again. So after you've had a drink and she's had a drink, you might ask, you know, can we talk a minute and say, you know what? 
but just just one drink. <laughs> definitely, definitely just the one. one. Um, and then that always softens it a bit. And apologize because you didn't like her. She didn't do anything wrong right. to you. She was also don't forget that you don't like her. So versus like, okay, let's maybe hang out. You don't like her. There, I have an, another option. It's an extreme option. Kill her? Yeah, yes. no, that's not a good idea. No. The extreme move? option is if you think you're better than her, move? what? Oh, yeah, you can move. <laughs> if you think you're better than her, carry yourself like you, like just ignore it. And if she chirps back at you, just treat her like she's a child. And eventually she'll become so embarrassed that she won't engage if you can handle it. Yeah. Just like let her hang herself. Well, at the end of the day, you're the one, this woman who wrote in, is the one that smashed her in the face with a hot pie. Really? Hot pie. You're a hot pie. It really did. And that's so, Yeah. that you're the one that owes her an apology at the end of the day. You, You insulted her. Her way may be this way. She may be selfish. She may be these things. That's her personality. You don't want to be friends, but you don't have to smash her in the face with a hot pie. Do you don't have to hot pie? No hot pieing, really. No hot pieing. Anonymous. Um, hi, Eliza and Ronnie. My mother is obsessed with me bagging a boyfriend. She brings it up whenever the opportunity presents itself. She made it clear she's desperate. I'm 32 and extremely focused on my job and frankly, not really interested in dating because I know I'd be a terribly distracted girlfriend because I'm trying to make it in my competitive as fuck industry. So why is my mom getting so concerned that I'm still single? How do I effectively convey to her that boys are not really in my orbit right now and, and that she should chill? Honestly, it makes me feel somewhat ashamed that I don't have a ring on my finger and that to her, getting married is more important than landing a steady job, buying a house, paying off student debt, you know, being that running gazelle. Mom, it's a joke for my stand-up. Um, context, I'm not much, all right. I'm not much of a dater, only dated four guys since middle school and none of those relationships lasted past six months. I initiated every breakup. My last relationship ended when I was 23. Barring out you being a lesbian. She's not a lesbian. Let's and even advice. if she were, that's not relevant to the story. Well, you shouldn't be dating dudes. Oh, yeah. yeah right. okay. Let's say you're straight. Um, so you're 32 now, and your last relationship was when you were 23. That's not a career thing. No one's career. Well, if she were, for example, that's, that's if she much. were going to be a, a, a certain kind of surgeon or a certain kind of a, a specialist and an attorney or anything, that's a lot of work and a lot of time and dedication that you're putting into that. If you're telling me you're an advertising agency executive, that's a lot of time. There are some things that require a lot of time and a lot of climbing. What is concerning to your mother is, I'm going to tell you this, that your eggs are getting old. And if you want to make your mother happy, freeze a couple of eggs and say, okay, I've done that just in case you don't think you're going to have grandkids. There's, there, I'm setting them aside. But I will do that. I just need to do this first. However, I'm asking you, at 32, you haven't had a relationship in nine years. You may want to take a look at what's going on with you. Because you can, you're not working every day till 9, 10 o'clock at night, every day, seven right. days a week, Saturdays and Sundays. Because if you are, you need your head examined. You, you got to be jogging. You got to be doing something. Even if you're meeting somebody, you're putting up, putting out vibrations to people that says, don't talk to me. Don't ask me anything. And then no one will. Um, do make some time. Forgetting the getting married part, but maybe you should see a therapist to say, why am I so, so focused on this to the exclusion of everything? Now, maybe there are other things and you're just not saying that. 
you know, you may belong to some clubs or some, what I'm saying is you need to examine what's going on with you. If you have nine years and don't have a relationship, are you having dates? Are you doing something? Because Are you doing sex? <laughs> something. But your mother is concerned sex. with some good reason. It's probably because she suspects that you are putting out the, I'm not getting married, don't touch me, which is what you've said. But it's probably a little deeper than that. And it has to do with procreating because your mother would like grandchildren. And I think that's, that's, that's what it comes part down. of it. Yeah. Safe to say everybody loves bread, but everybody doesn't eat bread as often as they would like to because of bread guilt, right? Health concerns, carb fear mongering. I mean, if we could, we would eat toast sandwiches made of toast, nice layer of sandwich bread on the top, toast in the middle, and wash it down with a nice glass of bread. Hero Bread makes those same delicious favorites free of consequences or compromises. You should feel good when you eat bread. Hero Bread has zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and it's high in fiber, which is what you want. Hero Bread is delicious and flavorful, and it's soft and it's fluffy, so it puts you right back there, you know, years ago, eating your favorite sandwich before we were afraid of wheat. And they have something for everyone. They have sliced bread loaves, they have buns, they have tortillas. Don't give up on being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code ELIZA at checkout. That's ELIZA at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Hurry and get 10% off your order when you use ELIZA at H-E-R-O dot C-O. It's hard to take care of your hair when there's, quite frankly, too many options. Of course you're skeptical. Everything promises to give you all the answers you ever wanted that genetics couldn't give you. But when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. Your formula couldn't exist without you. Every bottle of pros custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. I love that pros goes in depth. I mean, they asked me my zip code to understand how the water in my area affects my hair. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love the results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash askaliza. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash askaliza for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash askaliza. Lighter question, Kelsey Wonderful. Hi, all. I'd love to know more about the basics of Ronnie. Where do you live? Don't answer that. What do you do for work and hobbies? Favorite food? I'm not trying to creep. I'm just curious. Don't answer that. Uh, <laughs> you live in Florida. That's enough. Yeah, I live in Florida. I'm semi-retired. I just wrote a book. Um, I always stay active. I've always had part-time jobs, of course. Um, and I've put on a lot of social functions here and charitable things. I've done that, too. Um, things that involve creativity, big, big costume parties where 200 people come fully dressed or they don't get through the door. Um, great themes. They don't get through the door. And you've, you've written um, two musicals. No, I, did, I did that as well. That you put on. Yeah. Question. So let's talk. So you're semi-retired, but I do want to talk about this. You know, everybody, and we have a lot of women that listen, but everybody experiences, I get a lot of questions about like jobs. I'm not getting a job because people are sexist or racist or homophobic, but we never talk about ageism. Oh, it's terrible. And it's terrible. Go ahead. Um, I went for two jobs this year and both of them, one job, I went to Nordstrom's and I met with the HR person 
And she loved me. She was so excited. She said, you know what? I could see you as the manager of the Estee Lauder department. And we have the Estee Lauder um, we have the Estee Lauder vendor coming in next week. This is the Christmas week. We have that person coming in and uh, I'd, I'd love you to meet her because you are perfect for this job. And I said, that would be great. And then she had me meet somebody else. She says, I'd like you to meet this other person here in this department. And that, and then we'll, we'll set up the meeting for next week. I said, great. So I meet the other person and somewhere in there, the woman says to me, and the woman is all of 28 says, um, so where do you see yourself in three years? And I said, well, uh, alive for starters, (laughs) but also I said, uh, look, I I don't want to run the store. I just want to work for a great company. I want to work for a great product and I want to sell more product than anybody else. Well, that should certainly be great. I said, but, um, had you asked me that when I was 40 or 50, I would have given you a 10, 10 year plan. But now that I'm 70, what I'm telling you right now is what I want to do. I want to be the best employee you have. They didn't call me back. They didn't set up the meeting because they don't want to be 70 because they have to cover you for health insurance when you're in a big corporation. They don't want anybody who's 70. You just can't get it. She never gets that. So I said, I said, lie. Lie about your experience. First of all, you have a college degree and worked in marketing had a real job. You had an assistant and everything all while I was growing up. You had a normal corporate job. And then you moved away. And as people do are semi-retired, lie. Just say your recent job was a year ago and I'm 65. Right. 65 won't cut it. You're already on Medicare. 60. Say you're 45 and look terrible. (laughs) It's been an aging day. Yeah. That's a reality. Now, if they find out that you lied, they'll fire you anyway. And once they go to other places where you work for references, that have them lie. Have them call me and I'll just be like, oh my God, she was the best <laughs> one on the assembly line. I say, make it till you make it. The other one is, well, fake your death. I had away. another situation in a spa where the woman loved me and she said, this is great. And we'd like you at the front desk. Let me introduce you to the two girls on the front desk now. Everything was perfect. The two girls at the front desk are 24. And when I asked them what product they recommended, uh, she said, oh, I like this one. And I said, why? And she said, well, because that's what I use. I said, yeah, but you're 24 and the clients are 60. I didn't get the job. You asked too many questions. <laughs> Jackie Begs Hyde says, Ronnie, what's your skincare routine? Oh my God. A lot of people ask that. A lot of people think you're very pretty. And I remember we had a party and uh, a friend of mine brought a date <laughs> and you were there and she was like, what is it? What's the secret to your skin? Is it avocado? Yeah, and you were like, what are you talking she about? She was 12. I don't, it was so weird. <laughs> uh, you know, People want to know your skincare routine. Part of it is genetics. But I, I just wrote something. If you're familiar with the play, Morning Becomes Electra, um, I rewrote something called Morning Becomes Electric because that's what my morning looks like. You know, I wake up, I plug in my Kindle that has that I used at night. I unplug my smartwatch and put it on my wrist. I go into the bathroom and oh, and, uh, and I unplug my iPhone, bring it in with me to the bathroom. Then I uh, uh, I take my electric toothbrush and I brush my teeth. And then I use my electric water pick and I water pick my teeth. Then I use a Clairsonic and I remove the night cream and the eye cream that I had on my face <laughs> and. That's about it. It's all electric. Oh, and then I use an airbrush, an electric airbrush for makeup when I put on my makeup. So 
And that's if you're going somewhere. That doesn't take into account all the sunscreens oh, yeah, and, and lotions. If I'm going out to play tennis, of course, I put on, I don't just put on sunscreen. I put on the one with zinc so my face is white, which is really quite scary. It's quite but, scary. But I think, you know, a people, social media would have you believe that if you buy a vitamin C serum, that's going to do it. These things help, but genetics are just a huge part. People always ask me about working out and it's like, yeah, I do work out, but your genetics are, you know, there are people who work out every day that will always be a little overweight and there's nothing you can do about it. People ask me about that. They Um, said, what, what's your workout routine? I said, it's a little, it's mostly genetic. It's reality. You know, nobody wants to hear that, but you know, you you can do what you can do that way. That that's the reality. You do what you can. You can do. get a little Botox, or you can get a little, you know, whatever plastic surgery. But at the end of the day, this is who you are. So you're stuck with yourself. Anonymous, Ronnie. My mom is also a supportive comedian, mama. But how can I get her to trust more in my process? I make sure not to be offensive or derogatory, but I find it hard to run material or ideas by my parents because they're so protective of me. How do you handle the early days? And were you all, and were you allowed to come to her shows from day one? Well, yes. The answer is I was allowed to go, but geographically I wasn't going. Um, And uh, never run your stuff in front of your parents because they're not your audience. They're looking at your stuff. There are things that Eliza says that I don't think are funny at all, but the whole audience is hysterical because they relate to her. Um, she would never stand up in, in, in where we live here, where everybody's 50 plus, because that's not the same audience. They're not going to think that's those things are funny. Because I think they think it was funny. All right, yes. But, you know, okay. comedy is experiential. And if, unless you're sharing the experience with your audience, it's not funny. It's so mom that your phone has been going off this entire time and you can't figure out how to turn it's it off. It's not my phone. It's coming into my computer. From where? The shit out of me. It's just coming. (laughs) But I think, you know, she's asking about trust in my process. You know, you have to say to your mom, like, this is my art and this is what I'm working through. You're going to make bad jokes and you're going to make disgusting jokes and you're going to make mistakes. And your mom just has to know that everybody goes through a period of that to arrive at what they want to arrive at. Now, there's also, you know, maybe if she comes to a show and see, if I were making bad jokes and I was bombing, it might be different. But if your mom sees you doing well and sees people enjoying it, maybe that will give her some context versus you doing it in a, in a vacuum. Right. Uh, similar question, um, Audie Dale. How much did you worry about Eliza when she left for California? My son is in LA pursuing acting. I'm a worried mom. He's been there seven years, but he is hustling all the time and even started his own production company. He's still waiting for that one break to come. Get in line. Well, the production company may wind up being his full-time job. Uh, is right. he sustaining but how himself? Did you worry? Oh, Does he have any kind of a, a degree that would I- indicate to you that he should be doing something else? Uh, how do you not not How do you know that this isn't exactly what he should be doing? Unless he's calling and asking you for money every day after seven years, maybe then it isn't it. So she asked, "How much did you worry about Eliza when she left for California?" Uh, not at all, really. I didn't worry. Uh, when she originally left, she was in school. She was doing a semester there, a work study program. Although I wouldn't call it work or study, but you know, basically, no. basically, I paid tuition, and uh, she made copies someplace. Um, but she was safe, and um, there were times when she would talk about going out drinking for her friends that I would be concerned. I say, never walk out in that street by yourself. Um, but I wasn't really, I wasn't really worried about. 
Eliza. Uh, I knew I could call her all the time. And, uh, you know. Yeah, I don't, we don't, I, I don't have that. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, my parents hate that I do comedy or they object to my choices. I never had any kind of conversation like that with my parents. My mom, you know, I was always making money. Like, you know, college was done. I immediately got a job. I always wanted to make money. I even had jobs in high school, right? right? I always wanted to make money. I always wanted to contribute. And I always wanted to take care of myself as much as I could. Um, And and I remember when I quit my day job, I said I need to borrow $1,000, which I paid you back so I could buy a computer. I don't remember that. And I did. Well, then I shouldn't have paid you back because if you well, don't remember, I would have remembered it if money. you didn't pay me back. <laughs> <laughs> but I never had that conversation. No, neither of my parents, my mom never said, or are you sure? You kind of, it was just kind of never a conversation. No, it wasn't. It was always supportive. Um, when I sent you out there, I sent you out with like old furniture that we had and dishes and everything. So you had things. And in the beginning, I paid for everything for that year. And I said, after each year, I would pay for less to kind of wean you off. So I paid for the rent and your car and you had to pay for your food. And then I said, the next year, you know, I won't pay for your phone or whatever. It was little by little. But then as it turned out, after two years, you won last comic standing. And that was a quarter of a million dollars and a new car. So I didn't have to worry about that anymore. But I did have a job that Absolutely whole time. Did. I had a full-time yes, job. Did. So there's and that. then it, you said to me, um, mom, can I quit? Because I need to, I need to do, um, I need to, to appear at midnight in the belly room, wherever it is they let you do it at, at midnight. And I can't stay up at midnight and then still get to work in the morning. And I said, too bad. You still have to do that. And you still did it. You still did it. I still did it. A lot of sleepless nights. And then piggybacking off of that. Your girl Kimba, hi Eliza's mom. What do you think is important when it comes to raising a confident and ambitious child? As a parent, how do you instill or nurture those traits? I'm not a parent. I just find the correlation between our adult selves and the childhood we had very fascinating. Um, genetics. That's the end of it. Go on. Um, Liza was always, always stood up on her on her own. It, it, you know, she was she went away in so many things to summer camp to to sleep away this, to do that. So she always was kind of standing on her own two feet. Changed schools a lot. Yeah, not not deliberately. That was crazy. Right, but still. But um, yeah, so she always had to make new friends and then that, in another situation and another situation. And um, gee, how do you, well, what was the question? How do you raise her to be self-reliant or... How do you instill confidence uh, and when it comes to raising confident, ambitious child? I don't know. I guess it's kind of like we just did. I don't think it was ever a choice. I just kind of. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. You were always confident. Very supportive. Yeah. yeah and supportive. Your parents, you know, I wasn't going to be an Olympic swimmer, but you still supported that I swam. I wasn't the best, you know, at anything, you know, very few kids are, but you still go and you support and you encourage and you just let them In do fact, it. When it came time, you wanted to play basketball and was, you were going to be entering in the ninth grade. And we went to hear about getting on the basketball team at the public high school. And the, the, the coach said, if I haven't seen your daughter at any of this basketball summer camp, she's not going to be able to play basketball. That was the time I realized you're so out of that school. And that was when you went to private school because 
They won't. Not everybody has that option, but it's like, that's when we realized you couldn't make it on your own. So we sent you to a private well, school. Well, Erin's mom did the same thing. She said, if I can't get my kid to do something as small as play basketball, that's the end. Gotta do right. Something. Well, we just change the playing field. Change. And the private school is competitive in a different way. Just because, so you know, and also like it should be, I want to play basketball and I don't want to make it my life. It shouldn't be, well, you can't play at right. all. Well, it was a very, high that basketball and- at that high school was a very competitive sport. It was a huge high school and whatever. And, and, and there's and that. There's, uh, it, the thing is you went to a private uh, school, but the, the private school, the, the academic demand was so huge that by the time you got to college, it was like easy. That, I it was think a joke. that you learn more in your private, in your high school than you did in college. Academically. I, I would com- I think most of my friends that went to school with me would agree with that. Well, unless they went to a harder college, which is quite plausible. Um, Lola Thundercat. As a mom and daughter duo, I wonder what I can do for my mother. She seems to be struggling with this newfound independence with all the kids being out of the house. She's a wonderfully kind woman, but I want her to engage with the world now that she has time and she seems to have no interest. Any thoughts on what kind of activities we could do together that would both be relaxing and engaging? Well, first of all, you called it newfound independence independence being a good thing and she found newfound i'm alone because she had a job and now she doesn't have one and that's always difficult everything she did is no longer valued whether she cooked for everybody or cleaned up for everybody or drove everybody or supported everybody in every team that they were belonging to or helped with every party all of that is gone she's launched all of you and it's not a newfound independence. She lost her job. That's the reality. Now, is it your job to get her a new job? Mm. Does she have friends? I don't know. There's a couple of things that are not stated here, but she needs to find something. And maybe if you sit over dinner with her and talk, just talk and see, you know, she's, she's right now, she's in a free fall. She's just free falling. And that's so scary. It's like when you're married to someone for 50 years and they die. Now, here you are, you're 70. The person you slept next to for 50 years is gone. Now, I'm guessing your mom's a single mom as well. Did she say that? She didn't say. Because he may be gone too. single. He's gone? Now she's got nothing. So she has to find something. And in order to negotiate her way through maybe a couple of dinners maybe you know she'll know she'll find the thing and maybe you just have to uh offer support for her doing it you're not the camp counselor speaking of being the person who always did everything for the kids casey mort says in one of eliza's podcasts she mentions mentions a portion of your speech from her wedding about noah becoming the person she will go to when she needs to talk remember the speech you gave at the rehearsal dinner how you're not the person anymore. Oh, yeah, right. What helped you realize and come to grips with this as a, her mother? Do you have any advice for moms at the same crossroads? So oh, I remember oh. I called the speech No More Tears. No More Tears. It, it was so hard. Yours was mm, almost the only normal yeah, the other speech. speeches weren't worth it, really. <laughs> I don't know what those were. No one really thought about okay. it until they had to speak and say, what? Um <laughs> Yeah, that was hard. Uh, 
And Noah is the person that you go to. But at the end of the day, I'm there too. Because you can't Aww. always talk to your husband about things. You just can't. And I know. Also, a lot of it's boring, but you want to hear almost all of it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I do. I mean, I think about the amount of times I zone out when he's talking. So I can't imagine the amount of times he's not letting on that he's zoned out when I'm talking about girl stuff. Right. He doesn't need to know that. You have to pick your audience. He doesn't need you have to, to know. pick your audience. Um, and also sometimes what you're saying is not necessarily actually what you're saying. I think Eliza values a lot of the things that she needs to tell me. And sometimes if I'm just quiet, she will start talking more because she can't talk about everything to her husband. She just can't. He's not interested in it. And he's not qualified. He's not qualified. He's not qualified. Here's a quick one. Here's a quick burn. Can you ask your mother what I should do about my dad dating another woman? And my mom hasn't been dead 90 days and we haven't been able to bury her yet. Am I wrong for not wanting to participate in that BS? Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. Well, there's a lot of going on there. Is she on display in the living yeah, room? How is it 90 days and she... 90? Are they... It's not like a Jewish thing where you're not revealing the headstone. 90 days you can't bury the body? It has no religion in this. The question is, why are they not buried? Is there some forensic evidence like maybe your dad killed her and they are suspicious of that? I mean, why would you not be buried for 90 days? There's something peculiar there. But... That 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 may have something very that may be something real. But the second thing is men like to find someone else right away. They just yeah, do it right away. I have a friend that had ALS, and she had the ALS for I'm going to say six months, and she died. The husband had the dog killed, and found somebody else. And what? well, the dog was old, and no one wanted it, and he didn't want the dog, so he put oh. the dog down. And within a month after her death, he already moved into somebody else's house. Now, of course, one thing is saying to the woman, are you sure you want this guy? That he could get over it that fast? But the other thing is, no one mentioned the age of the mother or the father in this situation. When people are like 70, yeah. there's not that much time left. So mm. your mom may have died. I don't know what she died of, but that's weird that she's not buried for 90 days. We don't know how long he went through her death with her. Like right, she had right, cancer right, right. for three years. You know, he could have suffered all of these years and now it's like, uh, let me be alive again. So it's not, it's none of your business. Zero of your business that your dad- Unless the woman's a bitch. Totally, we don't know that. And if he likes her, what do you, what do you care? Unless you're talking about this, some tremendous amount of money that he has that you may be cut out of, that mm. was not mentioned yet. Okay. And right. the, I think you're just, you're, she misses her mom and she's like, who's this woman? Right. But your dad, he's got his own process. Right. And when my mom died, Unless the woman's a bitch. My mom died and she had gone through stomach cancer, I would say for mm, four or five months. It gets you pretty quickly. And my mom and dad were married for, ooh, Probably 30 or 40, no, that 40, at least 40 years, 45 years. So they were together for 45 years, no cheating, none of that. And then she died. And all of a sudden it's like, there's a single guy out there. My dad was no prize. He was a nice guy, but no prize. No, didn't have lots of money or anything, but still he was a single man. And within six weeks, 
this woman found him and they started dating. And I, I asked him, I said, so what do you think, dad? I mean, what do you think of her? And he said the smartest thing in the world. He said, she's not your mother. Oh, but he dated her. And when they were together, his face was alive all over mm-hmm. again. And he was 70 and his face was alive. So it, I said, dad, I got it. You need to be with somebody that's alive. And I'm glad that you're with this person. And so I get that you miss your mom. And I'm sure your dad does too. But he doesn't have that much time left. Oh, I love that. Switching gears, work-related question, your specialty. Now, my friend Chris Porter, uh, who's a fellow comic, very funny, uh, my mom is very no-nonsense, brass tacks. Let's lay this all out. And he said, and I remember we went to a party and I brought my mom and I was like, oh, Chris, did you meet my mom? He goes, yeah. Uh, and within the first five minutes, she told me my car is a depreciating asset. <laughs> it was. So Eliza, Emily, Tian Fu, the Chinese beast. I'm a huge fan and you guys have really helped me to get through some bad days. So thank you. But I need some advice or maybe just some reassurance that everything will be fine. LOL. Uh Okay, so I'm 20 years old and a junior in college, and my dream job is to become a physical therapist. I can't see myself doing anything else. My first year in college, I did really well. I was going to classes at my uh, and working at my local hospital as a physical therapist aide. I loved every minute of it. It was the best job I've ever had. I was living at home, and I wanted to transfer to a different university about an hour and a half away to try something new and move into my own apartment. Unfortunately, my first semester at my new school was horrible. Bad roommates, hated where I lived, hated my new job. It was a call center. Ew. I had zero friends and was depressed. I failed two classes. So the next semester, spring of 2020, I retook and passed my classes, barely. And now from messing up my GPA, I have just discovered that even if I get perfect grades in every class from here on out, my GPA will not be high enough for a competitive PT school application. So I'm stuck. I either stick with my original plan to be a PT by making some changes and trying to do really well in my classes from now on, or I bail on my dream job and go for a more realistic and attainable goal. My next best option would be to become a a physical therapist assistant. They make significantly less than a PT, but the jobs are pretty similar, and PT school is way longer and super expensive. So having less student debt would be nice, but I don't know. There are some things that you can do as a PT that you can't do as a physical trainer assistant, personal trainer physical trainer assistant. I guess I just really want to prove to myself and my family that I'm smart enough and good enough to get that doctorate degree. Any advice or just your thoughts? Well, I wasn't aware that physical therapy had a doctorate attached to it. Um, That's complete news to me. But that aside, what it sounds like to me is that this might not be the job for you. Because if little things got in your way to the point that you failed some subjects those subjects were not that easy for you. And if they're not that easy for you, this may not be the job for you. Um, I once, there's a, a test out there called the strong vocational test. And they tell you, they, they measure your abilities in different things. And they'll tell you, for example, um, let's say you thought you wanted to be an engineer and you're female. They'll tell you the score you'd have to have on this test to compete with any men because it's a male dominated field. I have a friend who has a son who wanted to be an attorney and um, he passed, he, um, he failed the bar. 
And then he failed it again. On the third time, he failed it. And then he finally decided not to become an attorney. At the end of the day, if you failed courses and your GPA is lower it, because you didn't like your roommate or you didn't like your situation, and with all that, you were not able to get your studying done, the studying required for this kind of job may not be something that really is natural for you. But I also think, you know, and this happens with everyone in, in a, I, I know I experienced this in show business. Sometimes you put your head down and you have a goal for so long and it's a goal you set at a different time in your life and you've run blindly toward it. And then you pick your head up and you're like, I don't know if I do want this anymore. Or you want it, but in, in fact, it is innately not your strength. Now, so I think if you really want this, you can't breathe without it. I say you go fo- forth and you do what you need to do and you learn from being derailed in the past and put your well, blinders on. What does she on. need to do? I think she needs, I think she's saying she needs to stay there and she has to get like an outstanding. First of all, I would go to the school that you want to apply to for your doctorate and say, what are things that I should be doing? All right, doctorate. Maybe she's there's still like a in work- her sophomore year, she said. Didn't she say she? There's no way you submarined your career by just getting some bad grades freshman year. Correct. It, you're well, not you're talking about doctorate. So, you've got to go through four years of basic college. Then you've got to go through one or two years for a master's degree and then going right. for your doctorate. So she's a good eight years of school. Yeah, I don't think that doesn't right. seem right. It doesn't seem because you flubbed a couple of things. You're, and what about people that transfer to different schools? I think you still have time if this is what you want to do. But she needs to reexamine why she failed yep. those subjects and what it is that happened in her environment that allowed her to not study or yeah. not pay attention because those things can happen again. And maybe this type yeah. of um, studying and this type of subject is not for her. I remember when I was in high school, I had an aunt who traveled back and forth to Liberia because she was the secretary for the man who owned the diamond mines in Liberia. She was dating the Prince of Holland. She had all these exciting things. It wasn't like a secretary. I mean, this was a serious job. So I thought, I'm going to be a secretary. That's a great job. So for my first two years of college, I made sure to take all of those secretarial things. I studied legal secretary. And then in the summertime, I went out to work and I hated it. I had to work twice as hard as anybody just to get my fingers to type as fast as everybody. And when I actually got out into the world, I thought, whoa, this was a big mistake. So I went back to college, of course, graduated in communications is another story. Because it turned out your aunt was a call girl. No, she was not. She All right. made a lot of money, but she was a secretary and it was not for me. So it was not naturally something that I could do. The whole thing was a bad idea. Gawessel. Hi, Liza. I really appreciate your perspective keeping family close despite political differences. I'm 39. I was raised in a conservative Christian family in Texas, and I've definitely moved to the other side of the political pool. I have a great relationship with my parents, and we seem to always be have respectful conversations. My brother and I couldn't be more different. He's guarded and serious where I am friendly and easygoing. He's 37, a firefighter, ex-military, 
Sounds super hot. And is completely drunk the Fox... Like, sounds right up my alley. And is completely drunk the Fox News MAGA Kool-Aid. Whoops. Normally, I would resort to clever banter and move on with my life, but he's raising my niece and nephew with the most absurd ideas. Last time I visited, we got in an argument because I asked where to put the empty cans, and he said he doesn't recycle because climate change isn't real. My question now is how do I correct his absurdity in the light of the kids without causing a huge fight? I also don't want to add to his stress. He and his wife don't get along and he already has high blood pressure. As always, keep up the great work. We love your stand-up at our base. I'm a flight RN. I think it's registered nurse. That's awesome. And my friend and I wore hospital gowns with raccoons on a leash at your Vegas show. I remember that. Also, hello to Tian Fu from Ellie, my fur baby, who's also named after Eliza Doolittle. I love it. Okay. Oh, I'm so confused. I remember um, costumes her brother's her brother's super i mean you can be conservative and not be an idiot doesn't believe in climate change and she's worried that he's raising his kids with all these insane ideas she's like what do i do without making it worse he already has high blood pressure he and his wife don't get along well, you presumably because the wife has a brain and he doesn't you can't change his high blood pressure and that a lot of that is his reaction to things that he doesn't like or believe in um that he can't control i remember here in uh where we live, which is a very Florida. conservative area, uh, th- this uh, person brought up to Wilson Bradshaw, mm-hmm. who is the, was the president of FGCU, and he said, I don't believe in climate change. So the fact that you're talking about that, you're losing me right now. And Wilson said, do you believe that the streams are polluted? And the guy said, well, yeah. He goes, well, then let's just start with that. So he created a space to say, look at all the plastic that's in the ocean. Look at all the garbage that we have. Let's start with the idea of cleaning up our house. And while that is is not a climate change situation, it kind of is. So about recycling, we recycled in World War II. Everyone saved their tin cans to use them for bullets. You know, nothing was thrown out because there's a limit to stuff. So it's not really about climate change from that perspective when he said what to do with the cans. Um, you're not going to change him. And it's good that your his kids can hear things that uh, you believe in without being threatening, because I promise you in the kids' schools, they're talking about that. So... The other thing is, I think you have a chance to be a cool aunt and to you don't have to deal with the parenting and you can infuse them with liberal agenda like recycling climate right. change, uh, the fact that civil rights are an issue, yeah. and you can just drop these little Well, crumbs. it's interesting if you look back in history, every single change that we've gone through was because of somebody from the liberal end trying to undo something that already existed whether it's um, black people getting to vote, whether it's women getting to vote. There's just all, anything that changed uh, the ability of women to get Trans rights, right. gay rights. The ability sure. of people get it. But I'm, I'm not looking at today. I'm looking at way back that now, like no smoking in restaurants. There was always, you know, or um, uh, front doors of restaurants so that people in wheelchairs can get in. 30 years ago, unless the, people who were activists about it made enough to do it wasn't going to be done right so you may not like these changes but they're going to happen it's just a question of how and how long and what time there are women firefighters there are women in the army 
Now, one can make the argument, well, they're not as strong as men, blah, blah, blah. Of course, you can make that argument. But there's a place for women in the Army. There's a place for women firefighting. If they want to do it, they can do it. Now, you can say, I don't want to be their buddy, their friend, whatever. But they're going to be, in, they're going to be there. And they may save your life someday. And by the way... Uh, there is extensive data. Of course, we should recycle, but it kind of, we have so much trash that recycling actually is almost pointless at this time. I still do it. I still believe in it. I still believe in sustainable practices. So maybe you could just switch the gears of that conversation to, okay, well, do you believe in leaving in littering? There you go. You know, like do what you can. And by the way, his high blood pressure, that's not your concern. Right. And, oh, uh, and littering? Whatever. Way back 50 years ago in New York, there was poop on the sidewalks because there was no pooper scooper law. And there was trash all over. People would throw trash out of their car window because no one really thought about it until they came up with it. It's in Mad Men. It's a scene in Mad Men. They go for a picnic and they throw just it. throw everything because right. it wasn't a then thing. Then they came up with don't be a litter bug. And then they started putting trash cans out. No one would throw anything out of a window now. That would never happen. But, it happened. So things change. So things change and he's going to be left in the dust. He's going to be left in the annals of history or he can get on board the change. You don't have to be on board with the change. It's going to happen regardless of going to happen. Yeah, there you go. Uh, But wouldn't it be nice to be on the right side of history? We're going to end this podcast with one good question. Not women. They were all good, but one final, this is a good one. Ariane, that came out wrong. Ariana, Danielle, what are three things? You don't have to do three. You could do one or two or 12. Three things you know now that you wish you knew in your 20s. You know, if I think about when you were born, how different the world is. Cell phones, dating, texting, media, the internet. How about women driving? They didn't drive. They shouldn't be allowed. Oh, oh. They just didn't. Women didn't drive then. There were no plastic lunch bags. You had... The refrigerator hadn't been invented. No, what are you talking about? We oh, I don't know. Not that I wish I knew how important finding mentors was. I wish I knew how to network with people who would help me get ahead as opposed to just stay the course, do your low-level job and not expect more. It took me a long time to expect more as my dad said who cares what you do because I wanted to complete four years of college and he said you'll type you'll get married who cares what you do and I wish I had I wish my father were more supportive of going out there and doing something meaningful as versus who cares what you do you'll type you'll get married so that would be one thing yeah the the mentoring thing was very important so I wish I wish I had a father who valued me getting ahead in a job. I wish I found or knew how to look for mentors. And I wish I had been tested for my strengths and gone after that straight away rather than just Mm. concentrating on typing and paying off my student loan. Ah. That's what I want. You hear that physical therapist? Could take that either way. Well, I love you. And you might be the only podcast guest who arrived dressed up, myself included. I like that little necklace you have on. Did you just make that? I made it. Is that a million dollars worth of beads you bought? I did. I'm into jewelry now. (laughs) 
I make uh, like a couple of them every night. It's not the most expensive necklace I own. I made these bracelets yeah, too. Well, and if you're if you don't watch it, I'll make you one. <laughs> um, okay, so it's time for mom. Do you know what time it's for? The uh, it top of the cob. Okay. It's top of the cab. Would you like to sing the song? Top of the cob. You do right. Something like that. And let's not fight. <laughs> yep. Those are the words. You kick us off with your top of the cob. Well, I was at the club last night having dinner. And they ask us all to wear masks when you're in the club, walking into the club, walking around. And then you can take it off when you sit down to eat, obviously. And we're sitting at the table. And a friend of mine came in with no mask. And he walked over to our, my table close to me and was like, I'm going to step back a little. And I said, where's your mask? And he said, it's optional. It's not optional. And that's what he said. So my, um, my top of the cob was um, not punching him in the face. <laughs> my Great. bottom of the cob is I wanted to. Oh, that's not a bottom. I think that's no, a top. That's, Feel real good. That's All my right. bottom. I love that. Well, really trumps my top and bottom of the cob. I tried to go non-corona related. My top of the cob is, and you don't get it as much here because California is a desert, but that um, that smell of summer when it's rain, it has rained or it's going to rain combined with grass, it's a very like barefoot summer oh, yeah. smell. It's like a thick nature yeah, smell. That. And usually you can like, in Texas, you can sense the electricity in oh, the yeah. air. And they don't really have no. that here. Um, but I love that. I love it and I miss it. Um, my bottom of the cob is uh, someone on my block gets coffee, cups of coffee postmated to his house. And I think it is incredibly wasteful, a carbon footprint, offense on every level, and disgusting. It's one thing to patronize a local restaurant. I'm pretty sure this comes from a chain, but that is the epitome of lazy. And uh, I hope he goes. Do you have a, 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 an old coffee that. machine that you could give to him? Saying perhaps, you know, just go over with that and say, I was thinking maybe you don't have a coffee machine, so I got you this. Nope, I'm not doing that. I've given him chances and uh, it just bothers me. And so what I do is whenever I see the Postmates driver outside, because they can never find his house, just like they can never find mine, I say, who are you looking for? And they say their name and I just go, ugh. And then I point so that he can find the house. I don't want the Postmates driver to be put out, but I always get in my ugh. And the Postmates driver love it because it's like, oh, we're making fun of the rich guy. And we bond on that together. Ugh. Is this the same guy that has stuff delivered and he wasn't even home? Yes, don't get no, me started. Yeah. He had a whole box of Daily Harvest delivered and because they sponsor the podcast and I know how long it takes, he let it sit outside and I took that Daily Harvest and I kept it. I put it in my freezer. Did you give it to him finally? And I was like, I left him a note. He never came for it. Jeez. Maybe it's just- I think Noah gave it back. Maybe like no. a megalomaniac or something. He just has to keep buying stuff. Maybe, but uh, what a waste. Mom, do you have any parting words of wisdom? I love you very much, and we would we should have you back on the podcast. I love you more than you can oh. know. That's my, my mom leaves me notes that's- what Olympic. Olympic. I love you so much no, I can't take I it, and she puts them- know. Oh, more than you can know. And uh, when you die, where did you say you wanted me to put your ashes? In your underwear drawer. <laughs> no, I said you have uh, to share my ashes with Ben. 
Sure. He's got to come get them though. Um, you know, you don't do, you're my mom. You don't really have like a social media, but you do have a book that you've written and it's called second wind and it is available on Amazon. Um, it's gotten over a hundred reviews. People really love it. And, uh, can you give us the log line, what the book's well, about? You know, it's funny. Uh, what's interesting about any book or any joke is how you tell it. I mean, Romeo and Juliet, if you think about Romeo and Juliet, it's a boy and a girl from two families that hate each other. And it, and because of that- It's just two talks. Italian, horny 14-year-olds. No. That's all. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. though, because the parents hate each other, such a, a thing happens and he dies. And as a result of that, she kills her. No, don't spoil the it. The point is, you go, oh, so that's the story. That's the same as the Hatfields and the McCoys. That's the same. Okay, so you know what? You know what? It's, it's Downton Abbey- meets uh, Bermudian multi-generational wealth with an American story. The point of it is, it's not what the story is, but how you tell it. That's... And that can be applied to life. So check out Second Wind, written by my mom, Ronnie Antic, on Amazon. I love you. Thank you, sweetie. And enjoy your dinner. Thank you. I will. I will. Bye. Price drop? Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.